Eight. Any last words? Seven. Six. Five. Four. Three. Two. Welcome, everybody, to Chuck and Lou. We are back here on a Sunday evening, and we have Thanksgiving weekend. And yep. Lou, how are you doing tonight? All right. How'd the weekend go? It's crazy. Crazy why? Well, started off Tuesday evening, afternoon slash evening, spending the entire afternoon up at St. Charles West. 40 turkey, tip-off turkey bowl, depending which side of St. Charles you're from. We'll talk about that later. Move on. I don't want to yep. talk about that yet. Yeah. Um <laughs> Spending Thanksgiving on the dad's side of the family, as interesting as always, getting manhandled by a bunch of eight-year-olds. Now, let's talk about your dad's side of the family. We have a guest tonight, Polly Bosher, who I think knows your dad, correct? Yes. Polly, how's it going? Doing well. Got a beer, Chuck and Lou. Tell us, you know, Polly, you know, I know you, obviously, hmm. for my almost entire life. Um, but, Paul Bosher, you know, just give us... About a two-minute intro of why we should know you, what you're doing, and just your life in general in the St. Charles area. Okay. Born and raised in St. Charles. Uh, you know, attended uh, my high school days with Duchenne High School. Ah. I know, I know, but that was back in the day. Okay. There was no St. Charles West back then. So it's perfectly yeah, fine. Then. Yeah. So we went to uh, went to Duchenne and then uh, spent four years there. Uh, then I moved on to Lindenwood. Uh, it was college back then, guys. Uh, just... It was not university then, and it was an all-girls school back then. So uh, time I see you went to an all-girls college school? I went school? to an all-girls college. Wow, um, good for you. Yes, it worked out well. Uh, nice. Met my wife later, but uh, no, it was uh, it was fun. We had a good time at Lindenwood. Uh, you know, I did a few things there, played basketball and baseball and worked in radio the there. Yeah, <laughs> my coach probably wanted me to play for a girls' team, but uh, they actually needed more guys than they needed girls got back it. then. So I, I was forced to play with the guys. Got it. Yeah, and I guess from there I, uh, you know, got into uh, education, teaching, coaching. Uh, went back to Duchenne and taught there for a few years, and then uh, a few years later I was uh, I was asked to to go to St. Charles West by uh, a mutual. Here we go. You got it. The man, Terry Hollander, uh, contacted me and had a basketball opening, and then he got a hold of Coach Stahl and got me into football over there. And it was just a, it was a great launch to me, uh, you know, working over at St. Charles West. And then the past uh, 16 years, I've been over at uh, Zumwalt West as the athletic director over there. And so 38 years in education, and we're coming to an end. And tell us about that. This is it. Yeah, it's 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 kind of neat. My wife and I we we talked. I'm assuming the staff over there knows about it. Oh, yes, they do. Yes, they do. Uh, We announced it uh, early in the year. Uh, You know, it's one of those one of those situations. My wife and I have talked about it for the last couple years and uh, uh, trying to find the right time. And and I think it's one of those things where all my buddies or my contemporaries before me, when they retired, they would always, "It's time, it's time." I go, "I I can't believe it's time." Because I I kept staying with it, but uh, it's time. time. I've enjoyed. I've enjoyed it, but it's time. And I'm not going to ask you because I don't even want you to think about it because I want you to enjoy your time. But you can't imagine how many people around town, including myself, who have just imagined you and what role you're going to be in the next five years of your life. Just like the options I could go with this, and I'm not even going to talk about it, but good golly, the amount of people you know and the lives that you've impacted. I mean, you could probably go do whatever the heck you wanted to do. I was hoping for the Chuck and Lou show. I was going to be a host on there, but I don't know if that will well, work out. Well, applications are out in the mailbox <laughs> out front of the house. So, um, you know, we, we could probably make that happen, Lou, here. But Lou's going to, you know, just talk about, and, and like I said, I call him Paulie, but uh, Coach Boschard, I call him Coach Boschard, I call him Mr. Boschard. He's done everything for me. He's been, what a great mentor to me. And um, he's going to kind of just kind of chat, you know, and kind of do what we do here. And the first segment Sweet. is obviously brought to you by Tubby's Pub and Grub. You know, Tubby's does a great job. They got cheap bowling, cheap steaks, they got cheap drinks. 
um, owner of the place, hip replacement, and his wife uh, just busted her ankle yesterday. So Ben, Ben is just you know over at his parents' house, kind of you know doing his thing. But like I said, you know, owner out, wife's out, Ben's out. You know, go up there and get a pretty good deal. You know, nobody's there. <laughs> just kind of do what you want. So um, hopefully you visit our, our local establishments. And we're going to get into West Side Talk here. And Louie, take it over. Give us a little you know recap of the obvious Tuesday night game um, where the Warrior boys team came up short and the Warrior girls team came up as winners. Yes. Start off the varsity girls game. It's supposed to start at 6.30 p.m. By about 5. Or we'll go 6 o'clock. We all knew that wasn't going to happen. It never does. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to touch on that because... I was really mad. But uh, varsity girls game was an absolute barn burner. St. Charles West wins by a final score of 27 to 26. Wow. I'm glad I took the under. Yeah, it was 10 to 7 St. Charles High at halftime. Right. There was absolutely no scoring going on. St. Charles West, 14 out of the 27 points were free throws. Were they just like running suicides the entire time? Or did they have. There was just. Pass. Just. just Taking their hold for both 10 teams seconds. in zone, I think. Yes, both teams saw. in zone. And that was a little surprising that St. Charles High came out with the zone. You know what I was kind of surprised about is the fact that, you know, St. Charles West being so young, you know, they come out and they're facing a zone, but yet they're patient enough to keep the score where it was at. You know, they could have started chucking and ducking. Um, and, and they kind of just realized, you know, this is kind of our chance to get this one is just to be patient and for those young girls to be patient. I think this was the first time in a long time that St. Charles West actually felt they could win, feel that they could win that game. I agree. It's and, and, and let's talk about preparation. I mean, those the, the team was prepared, you yes. know, as far as the, the incoming freshman who had a huge deal with it. But you could just tell this team was a little bit different than years past and very prepared with that. But I, I'm looking forward to you dissecting the game that I coached. I just want you to tell me, you know, and be honest, but don't be overly honest because I'm right here. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, well, we've had a a struggle the last couple of years coming out in this game and playing well to start out. That did not happen on Tuesday. We came out and played great. And we were up 17 to 9 after the first quarter. I mean, we were giving St. Charles High some fits. They I, I think fits is a good way to put it. I mean, they their big guy was complaining. I mean, we had them on the ropes early in the first half. They they could have easily lost it there, but they didn't give up. We played really well. Trent Champagne going for 33 points, having himself a heck of a night. 12 for 20 from the field, including 5 for 9 from 3. And his pull-up jumper is always just absolutely lethal. And we made a really good game, even with two of our starters getting fouled out early in the fourth. Um, the only thing I will have to say about that game... Making excuses, Lou? I'm not going to make excuses, but the one thing I will say is that St. Charles High... Or it wasn't their fault. I think the reason why they won the game is because the refs kind of let the game... They kind of dictated the game. So uh, especially straight to the refs. That's all I'm going to say about them. Oh, I mean, man. I thought it was a greatly officiated game by what a great crew. You know, they just they just did a fantastic job, and uh, they really did that atmosphere to ref in that thing. Paulie, if you were a ref in there, what would you be doing? I'd be hiding. Yeah, <laughs> just, I mean, you're so close. And the, the beauty of West is you've got the four sides that come oh. out. You know, a lot of times I used to officiate. I used to escape to the baseline because there were no fans down on the baseline. <laughs> but, boy, when you got all four sides, it's it's uh, it's a zoo. And, and those guys don't get enough credit for what they do. They don't. You know, throughout the game, I'm, you know, of course, you're, you're – I'm to a point now in my coaching career where I almost want to just have more fun with the refs than anything else because – their job is, and sometimes they'll tell you something, and it's like you're totally wrong. <laughs> and the next time they look at me, and you know they're thinking, "Coach, you're totally wrong." And we're both like, "Yeah, we know, we get it, we get it." But, but we'll kind of move through this. But you the know. one thing I will say about the game was coming down that last minute. 
that would, I mean, nobody had left from 6.30 till 10.30. It was... No, one person did. My brother-in-law, Mike. He left with two minutes to go. True story. Don't yeah. look. So we're, we're just going to throw that out there. We're, I've already discussed this with him. I saw him over at the, on Lindenwood the yeah, same night. Yeah, he was everywhere. He was everywhere. He said, he said well, you're up by three. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the rule is 14 or three minutes left to go. Exactly. We've and, talked about this. Um, yeah, that's a different story for a different time. I agree. When we have Scott Bueller on the podcast. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that, it, that, that last minute, it was absolutely crazy because you had one side – we had West cheering, then you had High going nuts, then you had West going nuts. It was crazy, and that um, foul plus the bucket by Lucas Wade really just set the West crowd off. And you could, it felt so palpable. Today. You know that was you know I've I've coached a lot of games and I've played a lot of games there. I mean when you talk about you know Coach Bosher as far as the amount of games I've coached there, lower levels being the assistant and the amount of games that I've played there and the amount of games that I've been a, a, a student, the amount of games that I've been a fan. I'm, I gotta be getting close to attending the most games ever when it comes to my age, and I, there was a time when, when Lucas hit that bucket. You know, there was a big decision to be made because they had just hit a bucket, and mm. it was either call a timeout or not. We had one left, and with a senior point guard, you just let him go, and I let him go, and he scored, and Lucas lays it in, and the place goes absolutely bananas. But in a place like that, the first thing I did, what do you? I'm going to ask Lou and Polly. There's 10.3 seconds to go in this game, and we're up one. Lucas is going to the line. Lucas wasn't even in our pregame plan. I mean, Lucas is out there because he played well during he the game. He played really well for he his did. first varsity game. But it's 10.3 seconds to go, and Lucas makes it. We're up one. If he makes the free throw, which you're looking at probably a 60% chance, I mean, being realistic. As a head coach, what do you do in that situation? What do you think I did in that situation when you thought about there's 10.3 left and we're up one? Just your thoughts. Well, you want to get in the hands of you have your best free throw shooter. I think in that situation, you got the ball, right? And, and, well, actually, you, they score. So we're shooting, shooting free the free throws. throws. So, yeah. so I know in my mind yeah. that if it goes in, you're up two. We, we're up two, and we right. can double Tison. Mm-hmm. And if, it, if, we, if we miss it, mm-hmm. I'm I, we're scrambling. Mm-hmm. So it, immediately, I look at my bench and I say, "I want you guys to start drawing me up a play after Tison goes and lays it in." <laughs> With about three seconds left, because you got to be thinking about the next mm-hmm. play. I mean, as soon as that ball hits the rim and we're not able to double him, I know he's getting to the rim. I turn around, I say, you know, hey, and, and before actually we we missed the free throw, I said, here's the scenarios and here's what we got to do. Um, and my staff was great, you know, but at the same time, you 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 look at the clock and you feel like an NFL coach. You're like, mm-hmm. I think we might have left too much time on here, and the missed free throw is. Is a big deal because we couldn't double him. Yeah, but and, you got to you got to take the opportunity to score when you get the right. opportunity. Because if you hold that back out, you may not get that shot. No. So you, you've got to play it, and then hopefully your defense. Uh, right. Maybe you call a timeout if he makes the free throw and get your defense set. And the cool thing was, you know, the the basket, you know, the free throws missed and and they're gone. And our guy steps up and takes a block charge. You know, one of those that's close, but it was a block, and and we did whatever we could do. Um, and it was one of those deals when you come home as a coach, you know, you think about the things you could have done as a coach and you realize that it was just a fantastic game that ended up being what it was. You don't know? beat yourself up. I think, right. I think right. as you get older, don't beat yourself up. I think when yeah. you're younger, you, you do that. But you just enjoy the moment. It was a great atmosphere, yeah. a great game. And I was cool. it was cool that the fact that 
an hour and a half after I, you know, was with the wife and realized that was just one hell of a game, you yeah. know, and it was, it was great. So what a great night for um, basketball in St. Charles. I really do think if I talked to a lot of people in the atmosphere there, it was back to where it was um, four or five years ago. And it was just a lot to do, I think, with our, our football team having success and our soccer team mm-hmm. having success. And, you know, as an AD, when the, the school starts to have success, it, it success totally breeds creates, success. It exactly. sure does. It sure does. So let's go ahead and move into in season talk here. Let's talk a little bit about the Tiger Phil action. Yes. Um, I was definitely planning on getting that, but somebody spoiled my plans and didn't get it. So I was up at West all day while I was going on watching it. I get home and I find out. Time out. Who spoiled Oh, wait, because we practiced at three. Yes. What a off. That coach is an ignorant. Yes. I mean, yes. And Mizzou uh, plays at two. Tiger Phil at uh, 130. Tiger Phil at two. And this yeah. coach that you're a manager of schedules practice at three o'clock. Yeah. And I get home and I find out it's on for free. Yep. And I turn, I go up, up, or I go downstairs, or no, upstairs. Get up, get on the computer room. And you're doing laps upstairs, downstairs, and turn it on, on the computer, which is for free. And Tiger Woods chips a shot in. I'm like, oh, thinking, oh baby, here we go, all square going to 18. They go 19th hole. The sun goes down, so they go under the lights, 93-yard par 3. They play it three times until there's a winner, and Phil wins on the 22nd hole. You know, meanwhile, I'm at Bar Louie with friends that I haven't seen in forever, and I, I get home from practice, and it's like, oh, you know, I have no idea what I'm doing. Bosh, you know how does you get home, and your wife's like, we're, we, we, you didn't know we had, you know. It, it was like, Black Friday, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like. <laughs> yeah, well, at least I didn't go shopping. My wife, is she's one that doesn't do that. My daughter's Black Friday, they're up at 6 o'clock, and they're off running to stores. But oh. my wife and I, uh, God bless her, Colleen, hosted two Thanksgivings this year. Doubleheader? Doubleheader. Did my family, did her family. So you can imagine on Friday, it was clean-up Friday, trying to get a lot of things put right. together after the thing. And then... Uh, then I end up. Uh, I told her for all the work that she's done this year that I would uh, that I would take her to uh, take her to, to lunch and dinner, which we did, and we had dinner with the Hollanders on Friday night. You know, so. it's a funny St. Charles story. Here I am mm-hmm. today. You know, I won't tell you where I was at. You know, busting in there to get some chicken wings, but Pogo saw you there. That's exactly right. right. And, and Terry loved it because Terry hadn't seen Pogo for a while, and he ran into Pogo. So it's nice to get out and see those guys. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, Pogo. He, the first time he told me today, he's like, "Man, Pat, you know, I saw Paulie and T. You know, we won't won't go into too much about you know why we call him Pogo, but as far <laughs> as high school basketball um, in the area, here we have um, a little bit of wrap up before we get to the high school football. Let's talk high school basketball first, just because I'm, I'm I, I do like to mention that the Tiger Phil match ended up being free due to a tech issue, which I'm going to put a conspiracy theory out there. Only about three people bought it. I would have bought it. Yeah, I doubt you would have actually. I, I'm sure. I know I would have. Okay. You would have bought that. Twenty bucks. I mean, I, I would have with my own money, but I wasn't allowed to. You know, talk to me a little bit about this Alton Riverview thing. <laughs> um. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, Saturday night we're at Alton High. Uh, it's Alton High School in Riverview Gardens and the Alton Tip-Off Classic. Alton's taking care of Riverview up by 20 in the third quarter, and then a fight breaks out. You know, and, and all I'm going to say about this is it's just a shame. You know, a lot of you saw my Twitter comments about how I talked to my team about it. I showed them that because if you're you're not very smart if you don't think that your kids on your program are going to watch that. And I don't care how bad a situation gets. You have to talk to your team about things that happen because you can't sit there and say, you know, my team's never going to do this or be in that situation. you got to talk about what probably stemmed this situation, you know, or what could we have done better? And I don't think there's, you have to talk to your teams about situations that you know they're going to see on social media. Cause if you don't, 
those kids might think that that's just another normal thing. I didn't want my kids and my players thinking that this happens all the time. Mm-hmm. And what do you think about that, Paul? Is yeah, as, as an administrator, we, we address this all the time. You know, we, uh, we're a positive coaching school district out of Zumwalt, right. and uh, we do a lot of professional development days with our positive coaching, and we do stress this with our coaches. You know, we're, we're, we're first of all, we're going to be demanding but not demeaning as coaches. Right. And, uh, you know, it's about the kids. It's about the, you know, teaching them. Uh, and I think that's what uh, needs to be done. And I'm not saying that the uh, – the administrators and coaches from those two schools didn't address it prior to that, but those are things that you just got to do preventive maintenance uh, throughout the year. I think the preventive maintenance thing is what really is. You know, you got to make sure that as a coach, you are, you know, driving that impact every day of, you know, what are you going to do to make these kids realize that this is about making memories and friends and being a good, a good dude is what I say. And, um, it's a sad thing, you Mm -hmm. know, um, it's heartbreaking, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's one of those deals that, you know, obviously, not many of us are going to go through, but we hope that our, our athletes realize that this is unacceptable and how can we, you know, trend in the right direction for this to never happen again. That's why I worry about my, our society because you flipped, on, you flipped on the TV. Did you see all the mall fights? I mean, yeah. everybody's out shopping. It's just uh, our society needs to, to really scale back from, from yeah. this. And we yeah. discussed when we were watching this film, uh, Coach and Paulie, is, you know, the reactions of the people during the incident um, – a couple of the kids clapping and a couple of the kids just understanding that, you know, this isn't normal, you know, and, and to realize that, you know, af- athletics at schools are for, I don't know. It's just, it bothered me a little bit this morning and I, or yesterday morning, and I had to address that with my team. I think it's something that, that has to be done. So Lou, as, can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, I guess the Zoom all South Zoom all West game that I know Paulie was at the other night. Yeah. But, it seemed um, like a, a decent, a decent, pretty good game. Good, was it a good atmosphere? Yeah, it was a good atmosphere. You know, we split our crowds, though. You know, you guys were playing yeah. over at your place. We're playing at ours. It used to be, uh, you know, when you guys finished school on Wednesday over there, you played Wednesday night. We played Tuesday night. We had some of the same crowd would go to both nights. But uh, kind of split. We I had blame a, that I, on you. I do, too. That was my fault. Yeah, was... But anyway, we we had a decent crowd there. Uh, you know, we, uh, we won the JV girls, JV boys, and varsity girls but then we got to that varsity game and uh yeah we ended up losing by 12 in the end uh and again first game you know you kind of you kind of take a look at what you did well what you didn't do well uh and tip my head off to, to zoom Walt south in the boys game because they've got four of their five starters back and we graduated uh our whole starting five from last year you know as i look at that game i, th- I thought you guys competed well you know, oh they, I they competed i agree zoom yeah. south is talented they're, I mean, they're oh one of a kind goodness. deal this year yeah you know yeah. they're in our EJ tournament Ballinger, 26 points well, and, you know swepker kid and, and everybody else that they have and they've got so much experience mm-hmm. who have played there. You know, you got guys who are sophomores and I think it's a Becca Brady kid or mm-hmm. um, I might've said his name wrong. Becca Brady is right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. at the same time, you know, yeah. he's one of those kids that you watch as a high mm-hmm. school coach and you, you kind of, Oh, see a junior, senior, sophomore. He's one mm-hmm. of the, he's going to be there forever. And they've had that, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's kind of, you know, a situation where they're going to be as good as, as their leader takes them, mm-hmm. you know? And well, um, yeah, and their leader had a, had a very good, good, coach back when he was in school too so oh uh, oh, oh Fredell. yeah you know tell us a little bit about as we get this with with bill Fredell. <laughs> that it's still coach i'm gonna tell you right now he's the one guy that you know what he hasn't gotten back to me yet about the podcast oh really yeah okay well i'll have to get a hold of him when i could see you, him, could you call him i will call and get him he needs to be here he Man. uh you may uh he's he's one of those guy, kids though. i was very fortunate when i was at lindenwood going to school there i knew that education was something i was going to get into so i wanted to coach uh, you know, uh, elementary school basketball team. So I go to St. Charles Bar Mill, it's my church. Right. And um, I let the athletic association know I was interested in coaching. So I get a call from Billy's dad, Ron, and they said, Hey, you want to help me coach this team? He said, I think we're going to be pretty good. So we coach, I coach Billy, uh, had Jimmy Briscoe and uh-huh. uh, that bunch, and they were very good uh, team to coach. So I coached them through eighth grade, and that's the time I got hired at Duchenne. 
And those mm-hmm. guys all went to Duchenne. So I saw all those guys for about seven or eight years. And so they kicked our butts for about five or six years at West with the Briscoes. And yes. Is yeah. Jimmy live the street from me? How old's Jimmy? Oh, Jimmy, he's probably in his four. Oh, maybe he's 50 now. Yeah. yeah. I keep looking at these guys as young kids, but they're probably in their 50s. Yeah. I was young back then when I coached those guys. I'm about seven years, six years older than those guys. You know, and Coach Fridell, you know, some people can you know, thank you, Friedel. You know, you hear those jokes in the stands every once in a while. Back in the day, some people know who I'm talking about. But he was also my fifth grade science teacher at St. Cletus. You know, this guy, you talk about being around the block a little bit. This guy has been everywhere and impacted so many lives. And he's done a great job over there, you know, as far as, um, but talented kids. I mean, you talk about, you know, we can go back to the Dewan, you know, Lambert's the day. We just guys that have, he's been flocked with talent over yes. there. So um, we're going to go ahead now. And Luke, can you tell us just a little bit about uh, high school, you know, football and where we're at? I know we're here to crunch time and there's been a, the big dogs have already let us know who the champ is, but give us a little rundown. Yep, the big dogs, CVC, preseason favorites, taking care of business in Class 6, winning 45-21 over Rockhurst. We got two All-St. Louis State Championships in Class 3. We will have, we will have the rivals, Trinity and Cardinal Ritter, go at each other for the Class 3 State, cha- state Championship. That'll be at Mizzou on Saturday. On Friday night, we'll have the Warren, Warson, Ledoux, and MICDS. And there have been people proposing if that – Game not be at Mizzou, but either at John Burroughs or the 17th fairway at Old Warson. If you played at Warson, 17th, no doubt. Yeah. Is it a par? 17th fairway, so it's either par 4 or par 5. Well, it doesn't matter, but they could get down there and they could line the field out. They'd have a heck of a crowd there. Build some grandstands. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that'd be pretty nice. I think it needs to be at Old Warson. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds about right. You know, as, as we kind of step into this, you know, as a situation where um, Pauly has a little bit to do with this, but at the same time, um, let's talk about Zuma was football this year and just kind of how their season was. I know we kind of talked about it throughout the year, um, but at the same time, might as well mention on how they're doing as a program. Yeah. And I struggled a little bit this year. I think we finished our season four and six, but, you know, we don't shy away from a tough schedule, you know. You never have. No, we, we play a tough schedule. We started out, uh, opened up with Eureka, played a great game, lost on the last play of the game there, which kind of set the tone for the year. Uh-huh. Uh, second week, we played Zumwalt North, and uh, third year we play, or third week, we played Belleville West. All three of those teams were like 7-0 and at one time. I would want to touch that with yeah, a top they're football. T- top 10 teams. So, so we start off 0-3. That's my man three. crush on there, too, Zumwalt North. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we I think mm-hmm. they're a good squad. But yeah. So. Then, I mean, then we get into the conference, and then right. you know we're very competitive in the conference, and uh, and do well there. And uh, so, but we finished four and six. Uh, you know, we lost some key players last year, some skill guys, Marquise Majors, and, right. and guys like that. That uh, for sure, um, you mm-hmm. know, those guys were just tough as nails, and we're starting since they were sophomore year. So it's kind of a rebuilding year for right. our group. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, we got to make sure when we get you know the Zoom Walt West guy in here, we kind of filter towards that crowd a little bit. So. Um, any more? Can you tell me a little bit more about EJ Liddell? Is did he go off this week? As far as yes, he did. He had in the Washington Illinois Tournament of Champions, he had twenty nine points, about nine rebounds. This is per game. What do you mean about nine rebounds? He got eight and a half. Eight point eight. Okay. Uh, five assists and three blocks per game. As Belleville West took the Washington Tournament of Champions championship. Uh, they beat a team from Louisiana, I believe, in the championship game by three, and I think that team beat a pretty good CBC team by a, a big margin. What about uh, did V Time play? Bashan, did they play this week? Yes, they went down to Fort Worth, Texas. Actually, why not? Yep, and uh, they played one the big schools in Texas, one of the nationally ranked ones. I'm gonna say it was South Garland, I believe. Yep, and Bashan won 62 to 59, and I think all their big guys stepped up. I would yeah. assume they would have to. Um, so Vashon, 
beating nationally ranked teams again. Well, you know, we, had, we, we did have uh, one game that we needed to fulfill our schedule here about two months ago, and they were in the mix, actually. <laughs> True story. Um, <laughs> yes, they were. Well, I said, only at our place. Only yeah. at our place. Uh, yeah, we've, you know? we've had that situation before, too. You're down to, you need that one opponent. Yep. At one year, when in football, we had TJ Moe. We had to go down to Bentonville to find an opponent, yeah. you know. So it, just, it, it happens. It, it happens. It does, mm-hmm. and, it, and I totally understand. So mm-hmm. we're going we're gonna to move on a little bit to our next uh segment here with Justin Faust is our obviously for his age you know his agency and his insurance needs there's sure life goes right and protect your house with Faust and we're going to kind of move into this you know situation where we have Paul here for a reason and we want you guys to understand that he's a, a St. Charles you know legend here and and we're going to kind of move into some questions and I'm going to hit from all different angles here and uh you know Lou and I are going to kind of go back and forth but at the same time let's go ahead and talk about the Riverview JV tournament if you were a, a St. Charles Bus Warrior or anyone who played because Duchenne and High both played in that correct correct I matter of fact I think I was on the very first Riverview Gardens tournament when I was at Duchenne back okay. in 1974 maybe it's when it, when it started there so so that's what we started off every year going down Riverview and, and you saw some a crossover of different types of teams now which right. is great you didn't see all the GAC, maybe a couple GAC schools down there, but uh, you saw a lot of teams in the suburban, and, and, and it was you saw different brands of basketball, which was a lot of fun. And, and a lot of people tell me, a the concession stand was the greatest because it was like fifty cent cheeseburgers. You could go in there, and there'd be like six people there, and it would sound like there was six hundred. Yeah, you know, and just the element of surprise, <laughs> and um, what a, what a great deal there. And um, next question is. You know, last week we talked with, with Coach Hollander there about the all-time grab butters of all time, you know, and, um, you know, Coach Bosch was mentioned in some of this, but could you just, could you give me two of the best just grab butt stories that you have? Yeah, you know, it's, it's one of those things when you're coaching, you never want to follow the legend. You always want to follow the guy who of follows course. the You know how that works? Here I am, yeah. But. I appreciate you guys letting me follow the legend this week because right. I get to tell the story. You know, and I, there's no doubt. We had a thousand hits last week, so yeah, it was all we... about the grab butt teams too. <laughs> well, let me tell you a couple. The first one I, I do remember. You got to remember Coach Hollander, uh, you know, graduated from from Truman, right? And uh, he was this 21 year old coming into Tushan High School to coach and a bunch of my buddies. And you know, at that time, we we enjoyed playing ball, but we also right. want to have some fun, right? And so uh, I'll never forget. He coached us in basketball, and uh, I was usually one of the ringleaders, myself and, and Bill Fishbach, we're the two that probably Just let, yeah. Grab butt champs. Yeah. And our two clean cut guys on the team was right. Richie Hollander and Randy Meyer. Of course. Did nothing wrong. Right. Except for this one night after practice, we, we get into the locker room and over there, um, they have a shot with the old time showers. Right. Okay. So Richie and Randy, who do nothing wrong, have great leaders, our captains, decide to clog up the drains over there and make a swimming pool in the shower oh, over there. Yeah. It was awesome. Right. So they do that and they're swimming around in this thing, but they, their swimmies on. Oh yeah. Well they were buck naked swimming. <laughs> but that, we didn't look too much, but yeah. But these guys are just sliding back and forth. And but meanwhile, Coach Hollander's in the coach's office. Right. Well, when they clogged up the drains, the water backs up into the coach's office. <laughs> where Coach Hollander is sitting. So he looks down, and it's kind of like an episode of the Clampets, you know? Right. It was coming up, and all of a sudden, he knows what's going on. So he walks next door. He looks over there, and all the other guys, we're all dressed, ready to go home. Those two guys are in the showers. And next thing you know, Coach Hollander, you hear this click with deadbolt. The only way he can get out of the out of the place is a deadbolt. Kind of like Iggy, you got him deadbolted right. next door. Right, back here. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he closes the door and says, all right, you guys, 
go get your practice gear back on. Oh, here we like, go. Wait a minute. Coach, they got girls' practice out here right now right. at 7 o'clock. He says, I don't care about that. Get your clothes on and meet me in the gym. He ran us for an hour. <laughs> and I just, yeah, so that was probably that was probably the first time that we've ever had that story. With you, coach. Know, you talk about clocking the drains. You know, I'm a fifth grade teacher. Mm-hmm. Every darn day, there's a kid in there with the darn toilet. You know, yeah, I want to put some, you know, oh, gosh, the... <laughs> Did you do it? No, I have no idea. Okay, you're the last one in the hair, you know. Mm-hmm. The bottom it, line, though, I think if he had known it was Richie and Randy that did it, he probably would have. He'd been okay. Yeah, guys, just don't do that again. Yeah, you are our leaders. You guys right. get out of here. We're fine. Right. But he thought it was me and Bill Fishbach, so yeah. that's why you know we end up. If doing Fishbach that. and Bosher are involved, we're right. on that bus back home. Exactly. That's a fantastic story. Yeah. The the other one, I, 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 I give you the second one. This yes. one's kind of my favorite. Uh, you know, we were then we get into baseball season, so we've right. got the the grab butt one in basketball. Now we get the and we got same grab butt guys. Oh yeah, it's the same, pretty much the same group. Uh, Randy Meyer again was right. on the team. Uh, uh, Dave Acapole, uh, no Don Kamer, no, no fishbach. He ran track that year. So, the, <laughs> yeah. and, and myself. So we're on the baseball team, and there's probably 15, 16 guys on the team. We only have four sophomores, and we got all these freshmen. So we hop on the bus after our tenth consecutive loss, and right. everybody's having a great time on the bus. Right. No boy. Yeah. Oh yeah. So bus pulls in the parking lot at Duchenne, and coach gets up out of the front seat. All right. I want to see the four sophomores in my office right now. <laughs> So the four sophomores, we go downstairs, get in his office. The freshmen leave. They're fine, you know. Right. And they're the ones that were really stirring all the stuff. Oh, here yeah, we go. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So anyway, we uh, we get in his office, and you got to mind, it's a little tiny office. Coach has got his swivel chair, and he's got right. his desk there. Well, you got Acapole, Meyer, and Kamer on one side of the desk, and I'm on the other side. So coach decides to address those three guys first. Well, Acapole, Meyer, you guys are pitchers. you got to be better leaders than this. You're not doing a very good job. Kamer. You're the fourth generation of this Kamer family. Come through here. Your brother's being embarrassed the way you're. you're. So he, he addressed them. We got there. I went, he swivels the chair to me. Okay. Yes. Yeah. It, it's, it needed some WD 40. He squeezed that chair to me. Now, mind you, the other three guys already been chewed. Right. So they're back behind Coach Hollander and they're making faces at me. <laughs> and he says, You know, Barsher, you know, I looked in the dictionary all day to find it. A word to describe you. And all right, come on. He's got a word for me. Right. He's, just, he's on and on and on. And the other guys are just giggling in the background. And I got this straight face, and I'm shaking my head. You're right, coach. You're right. I am. I am. And so he really undressed us there. And then, so we get done. He goes, now get out of here. I want to see you guys tomorrow at practice. So we leave. Now, mind you, I don't have a car. Dave Acapulco didn't have a car. We live two miles, maybe three miles away. Guess who our ride home has been home all season long? <laughs> Coach Allender has been our, he's our chauffeur. He's our Uber driver. Okay. (laughs) So I look at Dave and I go, Dave, you think we should ride home with Coach tonight? You go, heck no, we're going to hightail it. So (laughs) we start, we start down Elm Street and we get about two or three blocks away and Coach had this old yellow VW Beetle. And all of a sudden you're, I don't know if he's going to run over us. He rolls down the window, get in the car. So we get in, it's quiet all the way home. And by the time he dropped us off, I think everything was made. It was right. good. So, yep. So that was, that is that was two of my favorite stories with Coach Hollander. Unbelievable. And, and, and then how many years later you're sitting on as his assistant as a basketball coach? Well, that's what really, you know, when, when I thought he thought, what he thought of us as, as a grab butt team back then. And mind right. you, this is his first year of coaching. This guy's right. been coaching for what, 45 years? Right. And we set the bar. Nobody's past that. Right. We're the top team. So I'm, you're sitting there going, okay, I'm, I'm never going to get a job with Coach Hollander if I need a reference or anything like I'm that. Screwed. No, I'm screwed. Right. I'm not going right. to get this. 
So I guess it was probably, uh, you know, a few years later, I, I graduated from Lindenwood and I spent some time at Duchenne, right. got out of Duchenne for a little bit. I went to Lindenwood and worked up there a little bit. Um, and I get this phone call from Coach Hollander and I hadn't oh heard from him for a couple of years. And he said, hey. I got a coaching opening on my staff. Are you interested? I'm like, Coach Hollander? Yeah. Coach Hollander? Right. I said, yeah. So I said, Biggest you know, Coach. Butts oh, call. yeah. I'm getting called, but my pickings must be really slim. But, <laughs> but I said, Fish Coach. Fishbacher must not answer. No, he didn't, yeah, he didn't. Bill Fishbacher? Fish yeah, 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 yeah. Bill didn't do that. So uh, so anyway, I told Coach. I said, absolutely. I said, I miss coaching. I would love to coach with right. you. And I, I was with him. And that was the start of a great relationship. You know, and I think that as, as time passes, you think about everybody who's been on his staff. I think everybody who's been on his staff has pushed his limits to a point, but they've gained his trust. You know, mm-hmm. there's not one person who has coached for Coach Islander, or even kind of since our transition is former players, guys you trust, but they might have been the grab butters, but at the same time, they're the ones that cared, mm-hmm. you know, and had great families and uh, St. Charles knit. So it's it's kind of cool how that all how that all starts. But also, you know, Lou's got a couple of questions for you here. If uh, if Lou, you don't mind, I'm going to kind of take a break here and let you hit him with a couple before I hit him with the old third base story mm. uh, that, that everyone loves. All right. How how is it different leading teams for fifteen years and then leading coaches for fifteen years? Yeah, I think there's some similarities between the two, but there's some differences. Uh, from the coaching standpoint, you're working with those same you know twelve fifteen guys in basketball or, or baseball. You got your eighteen guys in football. You got your guys, and you're seeing those guys daily on a daily basis, developing bonds with those guys. And I think uh, you know that's. That's the thing that I really miss today as far as uh, that that day-to-day with those teams. The flip side of that as an athletic administrator, when, you know, I'm I'm dealing with probably 20 varsity teams, uh, which is 20 head coaches. We have probably 50 to 60 assistant coaches in the program. So, you know, I don't get to see those guys on a daily basis. So maybe I may see them once every couple days. Uh, When we're in season, I usually see the guys, you know, pretty regularly. But when they're out of season, I don't get a chance to see them and and build those bonds. But I do think it's the same thing. I really do. You have to use the same techniques with your coaches that you did with your athletes. Well, I think with you, something that's parallel to me is the fact that you don't see your coaches of different seasons all the time. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's almost kind of the same thing with me coaching somewhere else. Mm -hmm. I don't see the kids in the hallways right you know and there's times where it drives me nuts mm-hmm. you know where if, if i knew i if they could just see me smile and see me tell a story or see me say what's up dude you know i think my my personality would rub off on those kids even more so i, I think you know mm-hmm. as an athletic director you see those coaches every so often and they're always seeing you in your business side mm-hmm. um i think that's a little bit something that i feel as someone who doesn't teach where i coach mm-hmm. is they don't see me a mm-hmm. lot of time they, they see the business side right right and um that's something that that bothers me a little bit. Yes, you know? and, I, and I, I'm with you on that because I, I like to hire coaches that are going to be in our building. Right. And I've been very fortunate because I think almost every one of my head coaches is in the building where the kids see them at lunch. They right. see them in the hallway. They see them after school at their events. I think that is so important in today's society. And I right. and I, I don't like this trend we're on right now where we're bringing people from the outside. Right. They don't get the full uh, Yeah, and treatment. I think that's something, you know, as a guy who who's in that situation mm-hmm. that – you know, because I think I'd be pretty good at it, you know, and I don't mean to toot my own horn, but I think I could gain, you know, more relationships. So that's definitely something that I feel is almost kind of the same deal that uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to bring up. So, uh, Lou, what else you got for us? We also got, how do you handle coach, handle parents as a coach and as an AD? Well, Lou, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to be quite honest with you in my 38 years in education, I don't think I have dealt with even double-digit parents in that time. And I think a lot of it has to do with with preparation as a coach, Mm -hmm. uh, being honest with those guys, building relationships. I never cut a kid 
without talking to that kid. I never kept a kid on my team without talking to them. So in basketball, I would make my way around and say, hey, here's what I think is going to happen with you on our team. I don't see you get much playing time. Can you handle sitting on the bench? And right. I think that's that's key because you give that athlete a chance to walk away before you, you set your team. Right. And the guy sitting on the end of the bench, same way. Hey, I look at you probably, you know, being my seventh, eighth man coming off the bench, I can't tell you're going to play every night. I think as long as you have that honesty and you get that trust and the relationship with those guys, I think that's the that that's the key to it. And that's that. a, that's a huge deal. You know, that's one thing I've ran into this year with mm-hmm. only having our guys for five or six days before we played. Mm-hmm. You know, you're trying to squeeze all this time in, and we usually do it the Sunday night before we play. We bring the guys in, mm-hmm. or, or sometimes we'll bring three guys in mm-hmm. and say, "Hey, you three guys are kind of the the same. You, know, you have the same role for us this year." And um, but we're still getting there this year, and that's one thing that I'm, you know, I'm really looking forward to get to. But you got to have that. If you don't have that, and you don't have the trust in your guys, mm-hmm. um, it can cause for only more problems. Right. And I, and I, in transitioning as an AD, you know, the other side of this thing, developing relationships with your coaches. You got to, you got to let your coaches know that you're going to support them and do whatever they. My coaches come to me all the time and ask me for things, and, and, right. and can we do this? Um, I will try to exhaust all options before I tell them no. Like, right. you, know, you hate to tell them no, but I try to exhaust and at least try to take it to where I need to take it before right. I tell them, look, it's just not going to work out. But you want that coach to have ownership. And right. if he and I, and I try to stay away from him. I may offer a few things here that I see, but uh, I always appreciated the people that were my 80s when I coached, allowing me to coach and not getting in my way. Well, and that's that's one great thing at St. Charles West right now as far as, you know, our, our AD is we've gotten to that relationship now. We've been in this together for so long mm-hmm. to where when he's he trusts me. You know, it's one of those deals where, you know, every time you start a program, you're going to kind of want certain things. But if he was always wanting to know answers or this or that, he's, he's probably fishing, you mm-hmm. know. And I think it's great for me as, as a point to where he trusts me. I'm an, I'm an alum of the school. I've, mm-hmm. I've had good, you know, good people in my background. But he knows that I'm only going to do what's best for our program. And mm-hmm. um, like I said, I just wish it was one of those deals where I could, I could teach there, you know, mm-hmm. kind of a, a moment that we can have on the same point. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, yeah, Lou, I was going to follow up, too, with parents. I was fortunate both at St. Charles West and at Zumwalt West. We have great parents. You right. know, that's a key, too. If the parents trust you as a coach or as an administrator, they're, they're going to trust you that you're doing the right thing, even if their kid's not playing. Then you know that you have the best interest in their son or daughter. Yep. And we live in a great place. You know, I mean, let's face it. We live in a place for that's why most I never, of time. I never left. <laughs> that's right. And then most of the time we stay within, you know, why do people don't leave St. Charles? Because when you get a job, mm-hmm. usually you're going to have a job the rest of your life and it's going to be pretty good. And people are good. Exactly. You know? um, what's up? We got one more for me, at least over there, Lou. Yeah. Oh, we got. Yeah. Um, what's your worst loss ever as an AD and a coach and your best win ever as an AD and a coach? Hmm. Well, I'll do the worst loss first as a coach. Uh, it was back in 1992, I believe. Uh, that was my first group as freshman. I had Mark Breckenridge and, uh, uh, you know, uh, Ryan Sealer and Lowry and Scott Brown. And I had a good group of freshmen. Well, those guys became seniors. And this was when Ryan Robertson was a freshman. Okay. And we're playing out at Zumwalt South. And we are winning. We are winning this game throughout the whole game. And some guy come off the bench from Hannibal and launched a shot from the corner that after he released it, he ended up in the second row of the bleachers at South. Nothing but net. The only shot the guy took all night, and that knocked us out of the playoff. That was a hard one for us as, as coaching. Well, I think as coaching, too. I mean, you put four years in with those guys. Yes. You started the process. Yes. Yeah. So I had a relationship with those guys for four years. Right. And you wanted to see, you know, when Ryan came on board, this was the transition. When Ryan came in, how are these seniors? And we had a bunch of those guys. Right. How are these guys? 
guys going to handle a freshman who's getting all the notoriety. Right. And those guys, I'll plug it out right now, those guys were awesome. They were very positive with this, and they accepted it. And they really did. Because I was around as a young kid that time. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, you got a guy who's coming in as a freshman who's, you know, you, you pretty much knew when he came in as a freshman that he was going to be a high-tier Division One mm-hmm. kid. Mm-hmm. And he was. He was that good. He was that good. Yeah. yeah. Was, he was different. But he was humbled yes. to a point where his family was not. It, it wasn't one of those situations where the kid came no. in and said, he was going to respect the seniors first. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what it tells you a lot about who Ryan is and mm-hmm. their family and how blessed we've been to be around those two. There's no way people. Coach Hollander puts him in there without him no. relationship with those seniors. Uh, I would say the best win, no doubt about it, the state championship in 95 beating Vashon. I mean, that's that was awesome. Um, so I would And what say, you had to do to get there. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You know, I mean. That that wasn't that wasn't two way ball. <laughs> that was that was ball. Yes, I mean that was oh, real deal ball. Yes, yeah, and and to to think that it was almost taken away from us, right? From Troy Robertson. I hate to bring him up here. Well, and and for those of you who don't know what he's talking about, um, our last episode with Coach Hollander, we kept the mics going. Mm-hmm. So if you guys want to tune back in. <sighs> Because we, we were off for about 15 or 20 seconds on our last episode, and then he retells this story. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's very worth watching or listening to, I guess oh, you could say. It, it's, it's unbelievable. We got a five-point lead. It could have changed our legacy. It could have changed a leg. It could have. Yeah, his, his older brother said, you could have hurt my legacy. Absolutely. Yeah, so, you know, Troy, we got, we're up by. Right. And the Zizzers don't have any timeouts left. All we have to do is let them score, let the clock run out, we win the ball game. So the guy pump fakes a three. And Troy goes up to try to block the shot oh, yeah. Yeah. and hammers him. Yep. So now he gets three free throws. Okay, we're still fine. We're up five. He makes three. We're still up two. Oh, wait a minute now. He's going to make the first two, which he does. He cut it to three. Yep. Misses the next one. They tip it back out Clay. to three. Good look. Yes, great look. The guy launches it. Left baseline. Yes, nothing but net. Yeah. And now we're we're in shock. Right. We're like, yeah. we're going to lose a chance at a state championship over this. And to the Zizzers. Yeah, to the Zizzers. And I, I guess we came back in that, that overtime. Wait. Billy Seymour went crazy in this overtime. He and, did. And, I think and, he scored a bunch of points. I think he might scored like 19 points in the overtime. Yeah. We ended up blowing them out, and we ended up, ended yeah. up going to the— Is that the game where you walked on the Zizzers <laughs> bus with him? Yeah, this is when we were all excited, and, you know, Coach Bosch was kind of, I mean, if you know Coach Bosch, he's kind of one of those—if you're a 10-year-old kid following West— I want to be with Bosch because he's always around the entertainment. He's a good old dude. He likes to take care of the little ones. And I'm like, I'm going with Bosch. And we hop on the Zizzers bus and uh, we, yeah, yeah man, let's go <laughs> final four. And next thing you know, we want to get away. Want to get away. We better get off this bus. Let's moonwalk our butts yeah, back yeah. out of here. And, and, uh, and back we to did. The, and we did. Back to the hotel and had a blast. Exactly. So, exactly. Uh, you have a worse loss and a worse win as an athletic director. As an athletic director. You know, the thing of it as an AD, as opposed to coaching, you don't develop those that that tough right. loss where you right. do, but you still hurt. I would say the best win for us was our girls' soccer team winning a state championship in 2007. Alyssa Motts was unbelievable right. back she then. Was. And uh, it was one of the, you know, back then and still today, the private schools, you know, pretty much rule when it comes to soccer. And uh, back then, we were one of the first public schools to win a state championship in many years. Wow. And so that was a big, that was probably the biggest win well, that I saw. And like you said, you know, we had, I was talking last week or a couple weeks ago about our, our soccer team mm-hmm. and how Trent said, if, if we would have won the state championship, mm-hmm. just how much more it would have meant to us. Because do you really think the team that won, and I'm just going to keep them out of it, there's going to be guys on that team that won that, that 10 years from now, they're not going to even know who they played. Right. It just would have meant so much. Because there's so much more to it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because we all know where it's going with mm-hmm. private and public, and, yes. and I'll wait till you retire to get you back on and talk about that. Okay. But, um, yeah, toughest loss. I'll finish that up, and then we'll move. Toughest loss probably uh, last uh, two years ago. Our baseball team was beating Jeff City one oh, nothing. Yeah. We had a shot at the state championship, and just had some tough luck. We're one strike away a couple times, and you know, and then the guy leans into a pitch inside and gets yeah. hit. And it's a walk off hit by pitch, and we take second place. I would say that was probably one that I that hurt. You know, what's funny is. I don't know what happens in my life upon those weekends or the, when that happens. You know I've been where to, you're at. I've been to, but, I, but I've been to the last three of them. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a pretty busy guy with family, and somehow every year I make it to the the state baseball. Ch- you know, it's just, I don't know if it's something I that hits one me. More, got one more question to ask. If I wanted to be an AD at a high school, what would be three things I need to know? Great question. That's a very good question. I would say, uh, number one, uh, Relationships. I think that's the most important thing that I've learned in my time is that you have to build those relationships with your coaches, your players, and your parents. You know, they got to trust you as a leader of the program. Second of all, you better be organized. Okay, you've got to be organized with with what you're you know what you're doing. When you're talking about you're dealing with twenty different sports and you got freshman and JV programs. You know, you, you could have as many as fifty to sixty programs that you've got to be on top of. And then communication. I think that's the third thing I would say. You have to be a good communicator, whether it's written or verbal. Okay. You know, yeah. what's interesting about that is that doesn't change much from what a coach has to do. Yeah. You know? and, That's um, why I learned it. You know, and I think the first thing you said is is my biggest one, is relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, I think as a person, you know, you have to, if, if you're a coach or an AD or a parent or anything in your life, a teacher, mm-hmm. if you don't have the relationships with the whole bundle, the mm-hmm. kid, the parent, you know, whatever's going on in that life, I mean, it, it's, it's just, it's a no-brainer. You mm-hmm. know, that has to be number one. I think it's something I've learned as an educator and as a coach that, your relationships with each kid and each adult that you have is different as long as you're smart enough to know their situation mm-hmm. and understand it. You know, seek first, understand, and be understood is my is one of my biggest things mm-hmm. with public education. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to know what you're getting yourself into because um, every kid, every parent, you know, needs you because we're, we're their leaders, mm-hmm. you know. And um, Lou, is that all you had for yep. your side? What great questions you had. You know, that's awesome. Very good, I mean, I didn't help you with any of those. I know, I know it all, but at the same time, let's get a story. You know, we got about ten minutes left here. A story about, um, and and I could be totally wrong, but I know you and Coach Hollander were organized in this summer. Was he your coach, and you were the player with the third base story? With the... yes, yeah, it's just you know that was the year that we were the the, the grab butt team, right. you know, and so and carried so, on to the, so got carried it. on, you know. So. Well, this would make this story I've heard would make if I had the grab butt yeah. team, I'd probably do this. Yeah, yeah, I got to get one. So he probably learned it from us. <laughs> right. Yeah. So anyway. The story, and I'm going to preface this by saying Coach Hollander on many times has told all of us that what he did that night was 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 wrong, and right. he admitted he was wrong. And he How was, old was he? Oh, my goodness. He was 22, right. maybe 23, a young guy trying to get a win. Um, so he... We're, we're playing St. I ran, I ran April Fool's in my jamboree last week. Did you run? Did you get it? <laughs> I did. Well, I'm going to talk about that here in a little bit, but let's talk about this thing at third base. <laughs> yes, you did. I love that play, too. So anyway, we get, we get down to Terry's coach in third base, and it's a tie ball game, and we got two outs, bases loaded, number nine hitter up, and we're not going to get a hit. Is this Fishback? No, I don't want to say, no, I'm oh, not gonna, I don't even know who it was. So somebody wasn't going to get a hit. You know, back in those days, in lower level, your number nine hitter just didn't get hits. Or five through nine. <laughs> but the number eight hitter before him actually, actually fouled the ball off down the third base line. Boop. Okay, so when you foul the ball off, the guy's in the dugout on ball duty, got to go down right. and get the ball. So one of the guys go down and gets it. While he's going down to get the ball, the number nine hitter, swinging a miss, strike one, swinging a miss, strike two. Now coach has got this idea. Hey, give me that ball. The ball that was out of play. 
The kid throws so the it to him. running down, kind yeah. of tosses he's, it to him. He's hustling to get it back to Coach Hollander because Coach right. Hollander's going to save it. He's, yeah, he's gonna, yeah, puts it in his back pocket for that one special moment. So we got a batter with two strikes on him, bases loaded, two out, winning runner at third base. Coach says, time, time. Looks at the pitcher and says, hey, pitch. I got the game ball right here. Let's switch. <laughs> so the pitcher tosses the ball over to coach. He sidesteps it and watches the ball go in fair foul territory. Runner scores. We win. Next morning, coach got called to the principal's office. <laughs> but as I said before, this is, we can laugh about that now. That was 44, 45 years ago. And, and, and it's a good teaching moment. You know, I think, uh, you know, coaches learn as they go, as you know, players he, learn. He had to be thinking, I, I want to go home and tell someone I won. And here's where I'm going. And, and you know what? Yeah. There's, that moment probably helped him in the plenty of times when other coaches did things to him that mm-hmm. were like, come on. He probably thought, mm-hmm. I've been here before. Yeah. You know? And, and just so I can be fair about this and something that I did one time, you know, what we were playing basketball at Duchenne and we're playing priory for homecoming. And it's Are a you game. A player or no, coach? I'm on the bench. I'm, I'm the bottom five. We were loaded. Right. You're the class water. in front of me, the class behind me was loaded. So us five juniors. Okay, well, we call that the, jumper cables. You is that what you call them? I was we, jumper cables. You were in the middle of two jumper cables. Like yes. When, when the sophomores are good and the seniors are good. Yeah, so here we are as juniors. <laughs> and so these seniors are loaded, and they're and they're they're winning every game. So we uh we get a game where, hey, us juniors are going to actually get in. We're up by 30. Right. So we go in the fourth quarter. We're running the score up and um, hit a layup. To make it 98 for us, and priority is like 40, I think, at that point. Just running them into the ground. Charlie Elmendorf, right. Dan Plockmeyer, two guys that were seniors ahead of us. Now, guys, if you get that thing down to 98, you need to call a timeout so right. we can set up to try to break and get 100. So score the layup. We call timeout. <laughs> the juniors are excited. We get over to Coach Yader and the rest of the guys. And and, and I'm telling you, Plockmeyer and Elmendorf are just laughing over there. Right. Coach Yader. Why did you call a timeout? And so again, learning, full. Yeah, yeah. No, we didn't just, have them back then. You had, <laughs> you just had full timeouts. So I felt, you know, that's one of those teachable moments again, right. where you sit there, you don't what do that. What was I doing? Right. Yeah. So, so as young coaches, you you learn from that, and right. you say, okay, I'm going to move forward and not do that one again. So as we move on with the program here, um, you know, we have some people that have been to West games forever. Can you give us, you know, the other night on Tuesday, we had a fantastic crowd, you know, um, one of those that was just legendary, but we didn't have people on the, on the stairwells. We didn't mm-hmm. have people who were getting there at four o'clock. Um, tell us about, I was there at three thirty. Here you were, but this was something different. Tell us about coach, your best experience. Um, the biggest crowd ever at St. Charles West. We call it, I, I like to call it the pit cause it comes yeah, down with all four sides. out. Right. It's unbelievable. So we were playing, I was JV coach. I believe it was 93. I think Blake was a junior and Ryan was a, a sophomore and they had Kish Lewis, and they, right. they were loaded. And I think this is for the conference championship. It's the last game of the year. But before we get to the varsity game, okay, right. I'm coaching JV. Well, game time's at 6 o'clock for JV, varsity at 7.30. It was no more than those, you know, the girls playing with the boys. Right. Back in those days, the boys had their nights of girls. So we're playing a doubleheader, JV game. I usually tried to get there about an hour, hour and 15 minutes before the game. So I pull in the parking lot at quarter to five, an hour and 15 minutes before the game. I pull in. I'm going, what's going on here? Right. The You're, parking lot is packed. You're a little late. Yeah, I think I'm running. Did we have a five o'clock game today? Right. But I'm going, no, this is weird. So I get out Checking of my car. Your Twitter. Oh, wait. Well, we don't have right. Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> my palm pilot. So so we get out of the car. I walk in the back door and I walk into the gym. Was a towel in it? No, I don't think so. I think no. I, have, I have my own key back then. Oh, they wow. trusted me with a key. Look at you. So we go in the back door. I look in the gym and I'm telling you, it's three quarters full, an hour and 15 minutes from tip off. So I go in the locker room and I'm, I'm shaking. I'm scared to right. death. I'm going to coach in front of the biggest crowd I've ever coached. We're going to have 15, 2,000 people in there. Right. So we go out for pregame. We go out at 530 and to a thunderous ovation. Right. JV game. The place is packed. 
So in those days, the JV team would go out, and you would just do your warm-up, buzz us in, let's play ball. Right. So about, oh, I'd say maybe five, ten minutes into our warm-up, all my guys start running off the floor. And I'm going, <laughs> where are you guys going? So I follow them into the locker room. I go, what are you guys doing? Coach, you hear the ovation we got? <laughs> They're so excited. They're so excited. They got ovation. So, okay. okay. So, so we go back out again. And oh, sure, they wanted another one. They wanted another one. So they get a standing <laughs> ovation. <laughs> 2,000 people in the stadium, in the stairwells, up on the mezzanine, you right. know, six deep. And I'll be darned if those guys didn't do it one more time before the game started. They ran up and we came out for a tip-off. I was like, greatest crowd I think we were ever part of. It. That was just a fun night for, for my kids. High. The yeah. JV takes oh, the we floor. We Troy. It was Troy. It was Troy. Kish Lewis, the JV takes the, the floor three yeah. times. Three just, times. That, I mean, that's like three Eye of the Tigers in one. Yeah. I mean, yeah. They got their money's worth. Yeah, we did all the sequels from uh, <laughs> that. So, that is just <laughs> awesome. Um so let's talk a little bit about trick plays. Okay. You know, in St. Charles West basketball because you you know, you were always kind of the little guy behind everything that, you know, kind of was the the fun of what's going on. I, you know, still get back to Ryan Robertson's assist total. I I, I don't know if 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 that was a Coach Strauss took care of okay. the, the assist, you know, his math skills, I'm not I mean, sure. I don't know if he knew what, <laughs> what what a tally mark was, but man, that guy averaged about 20 a game. Uh, but let's get back to trick plays here. I would say uh, I'm going to attribute these to the most innovative coach that I've ever met, and that's Ted Yader. Yes. Uh, coach was my uh, basketball and baseball coach over at Duchenne, and he, this is where I get this. There's three of them that I that I use. My favorite is the April Fool's one. Of course. This is the one where you come out of, uh, you know, start the second half, and, and the opposition is discombobulated on which way they're going. But the key to it is, is when you come out to start the second half, you're going to get the ball at midcourt. What you need to do is take your other three guys, your big guys, and send them down to the other end. Where and the you got to get out early. Yeah, if you get out late, you're not going to. Yeah. So you go down there, the other team breaks their huddle, and you know how it is. They come yeah. out and they go, where's, where's the guys who are defending? Oh, there they are. They're down right. at the other end. So they go down under their own basket, right? and we toss it in. We go down, lay it up, and we put the full court press on. Right. Before they know what hit them, then they yeah. got to call a timeout. So yeah. uh, my favorite one was when, when Ryan Robertson over at Riverview, and he sized it. He catches it, and he looks the guy in the – and he, he turns. He, he kind of even gave him like a rip. Yeah. Like, I'm going to take it, yeah. and he just went the other way. And we go, no, Ryan, go the other way. <laughs> so Ryan turns, goes down, and jams it home. Just, and it was just awesome. And so that, that, that works, and it works a few times a year. So yeah. that, that one I like. The, the other one is the Washington. Uh, that one's in one where you're down one or you're up one, and the other team is shooting a free throw. And again, you got to be out there first. You call a timeout. You tell your guys, okay, we're shooting the free throw. So, uh, you know, or, I'm sorry, they're shooting the free throw. So when they shoot it, we should be in the first and third slots. Right. We send our guys out and put them in the second and fourth slot. Again, the other team breaks the huddle, and they go to the first and third slot. And as soon as they hand the ball to the to the free throw shooter, then as a coach, hey, hey, they're in the wrong spot. Violation, Violation, jump ball, and it's our possession. We go the other way. So you can wipe out the free throw. And the last one is the one we call Washington, where we set the one of our best free throw shooters at the top of the key when the other team is shooting a free throw. And if you watch guys shoot free throws, they stay there, they make it, and as soon as they make it, they backpedal. Oh, yeah. And when they backpedal, you have your guy standing, best free throw, and he runs over him. Then you get the foul call. You go down and shoot that. So those those were Coach Yader, and I just happened to be able to, to bring those with me over to West, and we used all those, and it was fun. You know that April Fools is used. <laughs> you know, I, I love it when you're a you know you're a high school basketball coach in the summertime. You just gotten your you know your butt kicked by like Ledoux, and you're like, okay, okay, uh, we, we didn't lose Ledoux. Oh, well, I know, but you're, you know you're down twenty three to to fourteen at halftime of a summer league game, and you're all you're worried about is getting your kids out there early for April Fools just so you can get a buck. It. Um, just what a what oh, a, I know a game that was this year. What a great deal! But um, <laughs> he did it twice so we, this year. We we did At East. We we've you know we've <laughs> we've also You're so mean. You know, talking about this this whole deal, we we talk about referees. Mm. You know, and and Paulie, you know, as 
Paulie was my base. Paulie was the world to me as far as coaching wise. And he was just one of those guys that, you know, you talk about a player's coach. You know, I always wanted to show up because he was enthusiastic. I think you talk about relationships, and my word is an education is enthusiasm. And I think if you have relationships and enthusiasm, you're going to go a long way. Mm-hmm. And with enthusiasm comes a little bit of, you know, heckling the referees. And, um, and I know there's three stories we want to talk about, but let, let's first talk. You know, I'm just going to throw some names out there. You know, we got Della Roach. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I guess um, as far as the, the Timmy Hollander story, um, and then, you know, I have I have Jack, you know, the referee stories, first time meeting him. I don't even know what I wrote yeah. here. But you well, got Dave Lamey, I got three pretty good stories. Yes. Let's, let's start those. Let's start off the one you said, Della Roach. Buster Della Roach was an administrator over Buster. Buster. Great guy. Uh, you know, he was over in the in the, the Hazelwood district. Right. And uh, as an administrator, he also officiated. Um, but I've never had a coach be worn prior to a game. You know, right. usually they give you a little leeway. Right. But Buster right. came over and he told Coach Hollander, he said, listen, Coach, I'm going to take it from you. I'm not taking it from him. And he pointed right at me. Right. And Coach, he backed me up. So said, well, you can't do this. Like, oh, I am. I've seen this guy operate. Right. He's not going to do this to me tonight. We're going to stop this right here. Yeah. So that was over at Hazelwood East. And, uh, you know, I was frustrated by it. Right. Uh, and to this day, when I see Buster, Mike, I see him. Buster. We're, we're still good buddies. I mean, right. I, I run into him maybe once a year. I'll see him somewhere. But uh, I understood that. And uh, him being, being the official. Uh, the second one, uh, Talking I'm not going to ask you what you ever really did to Buster, though. Nothing. I just, was calm. Buster just had it. He had it with me. Uh, and I think the reason he had it with me is that he would come to a lot of our games, uh-huh. okay? Uh, for whatever reason, he'd show up again. And I think he saw me. Uh, and I'm going to be honest with you guys. You know, when I played, when I coached, I had I had a temper, okay? Right. I had a little bit of a temper. And, right. I, you know, if I felt like I was wrong, I would I would rebel. Right. And I think he saw that. And right. I think that's where he said, we're not going to have that tonight. So right. so really no issue after that. We just said, <laughs> okay, we accepted it, and then, and that was fine. Um, you want the Timmy one next? I think Timmy's a good one. All right, Timmy Hollander, um, who's, who's Terry's brother. And you got to listen and follow along. you got to follow along. But Timmy's brother uh, married my sister Martha. Okay, so so in, in a way here, and if you live in St. Charles, everybody's probably related, but this this is our, our connection. So we're playing uh, St. Charles High, one of those great Friday night games, right. West and, and High over at High, and uh, we we were on the official. Both Terry and I both were, and the poor guy, I mean, he knew. And back in those days, the officials worked back-to-back games. You didn't bring another crew in. They worked back-to-back. So this guy's got double oh, dose. Oh, yeah, he's got double dose. Oh, so. this guy's in trouble. So man. he starts yeah. with Polly. Starts with me, and then he gets Terry in the, in the varsity game. Well, that's on Friday night. So now we fast forward three days to Monday. Timmy, who's my brother-in-law and Terry's brother, is official in high, Missouri High School. Right. He's officiating out at St. Dominic. And who walks in the locker room? The same official that did our game on Friday night at St. Charles <laughs> High. So he walks in and Timmy, hey, how you doing? Don? Everything going well? Yeah, I'm having a good year, except for Friday night. That was a rough right. night for me. He said, what happened? He said, oh, that coach from... from Varsity coach over there at St. Charles West, you know, he really was on me. Just all riding me. Just riding me in a whole ball game. He goes, you mean my brother? <laughs> so now the referee's trying to backpedal. He backpedal. He goes, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. But he wasn't half as bad as that JV coach. He goes, right. you mean my brother-in-law? <laughs> so from that point, that was one of those stories that you, yeah. yeah that you, That's you, one of my favorite. Yeah. I mean, you told that, you know, we, yeah. we were kind of talking before. Just oh, my, a fantastic story. Mm-hmm. And then we all know Dave Lane. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. If you can get Dave. It's awesome because Dave is the Dave master. Gets you all he the gets time. you all the time, oh, and you get kind of sick and tired of it. You do, but right. Davey boy is is unbelievable. Uh, he does a great job. Uh, I, we enjoy his company when we go on golf trips right. and things like that. So anyway, so I finally got Davey one night, but it's kind of in a bad way. It was in football. Um, 
you know, Coach Stahl, the legendary football right. coach at St. Charles West. I was the JV coach then, and Dave was the freshman coach. But we're on the sideline, and we're playing. I, I don't know if it was the quarterfinals of the state play. We're playing Jeff City. Right. You know, we're a the, big game. Yeah, right. they're the biggest school in the state, and we're the small right. school in that class, and we probably out, man. So anyway, we're playing Jeff City, and, and we're punting. And Dave and I are standing on the 40-yard line. So anyway, it's always it's never good to stand next to Dave. No, no, not yeah. I shouldn't ever stand. But Dave would normally get me in trouble. So right. so here's Dave. He's got his Kansas City Chiefs parka on. It's, it's cold. Like yeah. oh man, big old coat with Kansas City Chiefs. I'm wearing my West stuff, and uh, we're on the 40 yard line. And our guy kicks the ball, and there's a roughing the kick. Our guy gets roughed. And I start yelling at the referee, hey, man, that's roughing the guy. Right. And I'm thinking, this, there's a reason this official's here. It's a quarterfinal football game, and he's not going to take that from me. He right. looks over in our direction, and as he's jogging down the field to cover the punt, I get out of Dodge. Right. I sprint 20 yards. Well, sprint back then I could do it. Then I sprint 20 yards down <laughs> to the other 40-yard line, okay, <laughs> and I hide behind the two biggest linemen I could find. Referee kills the play, whistles it dead, walks over to Coach Stahl and says, Coach, we're not going to play another down until that guy in the Kansas City Chief leaves the sideline. <laughs> and Dave said, what'd I do? And Coach Stahl looks down, get off this sideline, Dave. So Dave, Dave. Walk, he walks right by me. I said, I owe you, Dave. I'm sorry, buddy. And he walked all the way around to the other side of the track. And yeah, so. Hey, you know what? I think for all of us, it's nice to say poor Dave. One, one time, time. One time we got Davey. Gosh, that's sweet. Oh, man, I tell you what. Um, you know, one more thing before we get going is um, the Paula Palooza that you do. Um, I think it's something that you need to explain to people out there because it's not it's no joke. You know, and I think it's something that's kind of saved our our freshman, you know, situation and, and also what you do at Lindenwood here coming up for mm-hmm. us. Yeah, a couple things that I, I take a lot of pride in in, in, in that we've done. I'll, I'll start with the Palooza. I guess it was about four years, five years ago. Uh, our, our conference, the GAC is one conference, but we have three divisions. You know, you get the North, right. the Central, and the South. And so every year... We were playing home and home against the same teams. You might catch them in a tournament during the regular season. And then we're going to do a postseason tournament by division where right. you can play a team four times the same year. Coaches came to me and said, what can we do? we got to do something different. we got to do something different. And I said, well, let's make this one big tournament. Right. Let's throw all these teams in. We'll try to seed it and try to make sure that maybe two of the three games you don't play somebody in your division. It's a lot of work. Uh, it's, you know, it's five days. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's... Uh, you know, I think it's 48 games that we have to get through in, the, in those days. But we use both of our gyms over at West. And uh, I can't tell you how many coaches have come up and, and just, we love this. Love it. Keep we it do. going. Yeah. This is so neat for our freshmen. Because a lot of the freshmen, this is their last season. It and is. they get to go out on a bang. That's what I'm trying to say to people is yeah. some people don't understand that, you know, for the majority of those, you know, probably 60% of the freshman players who play, this is it. Yes. You know, yeah. and they deserve something. Yeah. And that's fantastic. Yeah. So and then we kind of did that, that with, the, with the, the seating. We would do the 1 through 16. And we thought it'd be best the one through eights playing a bracket, and then right. the, you know the, the, the nine through sixteen. So it worked out. And then as far as the GAC suburban, that was kind of a brainchild. I mean, this is our ninth annual. I can't right. believe this. But Steve Elman came to me, mm-hmm. uh, well, maybe ten years ago now, and they needed to start putting some events down at the family they arena. Did. Yes, yeah. they needed to put some events down. One at a time. Yes, that's what he does. He says, hey. Can you help me out with some kind of a basketball event? Well, at that time, you know, the ACC Big Ten Challenge was a big thing right before the holidays. And I'm thinking, right. you know what? Maybe we can do this. And so we contacted the Suburban Conference and we said, you guys want to do this? So I said, Steve, I think I got something for you. I think I got one event for you. He goes, no, no. 
each game is an event. He needed 100 that year, right. and 17 of those were events. Takes care of it. Yeah. Yep. So we work with the other side. We, we seed our side. We seed the other side, and that's coming up here in a couple of weeks at Lindenwood. And, looking and forward to it. Looking forward. It's a four-day event up there. So uh, our listeners, if you guys want to come, it's, yeah. it's a fun event to see some high school ball. Absolutely. It's right here in town. I know we play Eureka um, and excited to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, and got, I think we got one more question. It, well, you have at least one more. No, I don't. But I, there's – oh, yeah, I do have one question. Um, I, I heard of a story about a – about you about you being called out by a coach at Troy, I believe. Was it oh. – Oh, yeah, that's the other the one. Uh, coach Hollander. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he uh, – we were playing Troy, and uh, – uh, there was a call that went against us, and, and Coach Hollander, you know, pretty mild mannered with the official, was trying to get an explanation of what happened. And the JV coach from Troy started yelling down at Coach Hollander down the bench, <laughs> and you know, Coach Hollander didn't like that, and you know, he turns to me and goes, "Hey, I ain't taking this from some peon JV coach." And I go, well, "Then what am I, Coach?" <laughs> Yeah, like he backpedaled. He backpedaled on that one too. So yeah, so we had some fun with that one too. I, I like that story. And, mm-hmm. and as we kind of wrap up here, I know you and I talked about. Uh, can you let us know the first time you met Lou? Oh yeah, yeah. It was a special day, and it was at the Paula Palooza. And was it? Uh, yes, and uh, I will say this, Lou. Um, you know, I don't think high school kids come up and uh, and and make it a point to come up and talk to administrators at events. And I'll never forget standing in the hallway and you came up and you introduced yourself to me. Uh, unbelievable young man. You know, hey, I'm Jack Mueller and I am the manager for St. Charles West. What bench are we on? And where's our locker room? And it was just so neat the way you did it. I said, most seniors don't do that. And, I right. you, and for you to do that, but you know what it tells me? That you come from good stock, the Buellers and the Buttons. And that probably explains why Jack is the way he is. He's got pretty good genes, doesn't yes, he? Yes, he does. <laughs> yes, know, I, he does. I have a, you know, I, I sometimes walk out to my car every, and I'm like, I live in the same neighborhood as this guy who's got these genes of, of people that <laughs> oh, yeah. we, would, we would be blessed to have. Yes, so that's a, very blessed. That's a great story. Let's end the show tonight with your um, Mount Rushmore of coaches. Okay. I, you know, people always ask me, who are the guys that, that you probably look at over your career? And it's pretty simple. My Mount Rushmore, and I'll, I'll start with the first one, was Frank Barrow. Uh, he oh. was the head football coach at Duchenne. He was also the athletic director there. That was probably the first time that I thought, you know what, this coaching AD thing might be something I want to do. So always, he There's was always very, somebody. Yes, and he was very intimidating, uh, but it was he commanded respect. So I always thought Coach Barrow was one of those guys. Coach Ader, who I've already talked about here tonight, he was my head basketball and baseball coach. He also was the AD when I was teaching there uh, uh-huh. at, at Duchenne. And uh, Coach taught me a lot about you know organizational skills and, and, and a lot of the things that I use today, right. uh, both coaching that. Uh, Steve Stahl, who Absolutely. has been a mentor for me, guys. I mean, I did my – it's how far it goes back. I did my student teaching with him. He brought me on his football staff. Then he retired, and I, I walk right into the head football job. Right. He AD at St. Charles West. I did that. He goes out to Zumwalt West, retires there, and I go out there, yeah. and I'm thinking, Steve, there's only – I'm chasing around. I said, Steve, there's only one more thing i got to do, and that's, that's, that's retire. So I'm getting yep. close to that. I'm chasing around on the golf course here. Exactly. That's what I'm doing. And my last guy, you know, is Coach Hollander. I mean, yeah. we all, you know, know what, what, what an important guy he's been over the years. He was my teacher and coach uh, my first few years over at Tushin. Kind of set the tone, even though I was on the grab butt team. But uh, right. well, hey, uh, you yeah. got to start somewhere. got to start somewhere. And then, uh, and then he brought me on a staff over at St. Charles uh, West, which I thought was, you know, I, I was so shocked that he would want me on his staff. And, I, and that was good. Uh, and the thing about Coach, I always, I think you'll all say the same thing. There's a lot of coaches that knows X's and O's and don't have a very good relationship with their kids. Right. There's a lot of coaches that have great relationships and maybe don't know the X's and O's. Coach Allender has them both. Yeah. He does them both. He knows how to coach. He knows how to work people. How many guys can say, 
five decades of coaching, and every summer we go play golf, and there's somebody from the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, your group in the early right. 2000s, and, and you know, now we're into the teens. But that's the kind of respect that he and the relationships. And we'll go to a Lindenwood game, and all these kids will come up and talk to him. I'll go to West, and all the kids are talking to him, right. all the coaches. So it's those four guys are my Mount Rushmore. And it gets back to, you know, 40 minutes ago, we talked about that one word is relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, and as before we end the show, I know you got a couple questions for me. We'll keep it short for... For Chuck here, maybe Lou can hop in if he needs to. But I know yeah. Lou needs good. Lou, do you need to get some food or anything like that? I know no. Lou. Been all these turkey days and Lou over here Lou eating hamburgers. It's a Lou fest, right? Mm-hmm. Pat, my question. I just have a couple here. First one. Uh, what was it like playing for your uncle? I mean, you know, it's one thing to, you know, to play for a coach, but this guy was your uncle and probably your mentor over the years. Well, you know, too. he was my mentor, and he was he was pretty easy to play with because from age eight to fourteen, you know, before I started playing for him, um, he had the best teams around, you know, and. The best thing that I could ever have done was was go to practice every day. You know, if you're a kid that has the opportunity to sneak into a practice of a high school kid, I think that's one thing that our high schools actually are missing is the dads that come to watch and maybe the younger feeder kids that come. I mean, why not? Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's something. So I, I was lucky, you know, him being my uncle and, uh, and being able to see how he treated players. And at the same time, the amount of respect he had for his players was, yep. was phenomenal. And, Lou, I know your uncle went to North and coached at North. Same thing with you, Coach. You know, you were able to play for West and, and return. What's that experience been like for you? The experience has been great. You know, I think it's it's hard for me at times to ingrain into the kids that I have the amount of passion I have for St. Charles West. You mm-hmm. know, and um, sometimes I think they're they think I'm faking it. You know, at times, and really, I've never one time faked anything about the amount that St. Charles West has given me uh, as, as far as a a player. You know, and, and getting this opportunity is fantastic. And, you know, the other night, you know, you lose a game. And the last thing I think about when I lose a game like that is myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about you. I think about Coach Hollander. I think about, you know, did I did I do the best that I could for those people who put me on this this moment? And um, it's fantastic. You know, I, I told my coach when I was 18 years old and, and playing baseball at St. Louis U, he said, what do you want to do when you're older? And I said, I want to coach basketball at St. Charles West. And he goes, well, that's not going to pay you a whole lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so... Um, but at the same time, I knew what I wanted to do, you know, and um, and that's because of, of guys like you. So, first off, thanks for coming. You know, oh, what a, what this a, is fun. What a great this, deal. This reverses me back to my old days of KCLC Radio at Lindenwood, so Absolutely. I've enjoyed this. Thanks and, for having me. You know, and I, I know you've had some experience at, at Lindenwood with Rammer, and um, this is something you would have been fantastic at doing. Um, the funny thing is, I, I look at myself the same way. This is something I went to slew, and that's what I wanted to do, and this kind of gives me a little piece of that. Um, I obviously do what... what the Lord has told me to do, and, right. and it's, it's fantastic. But at the same time, this is great getting our stories out, and, and I want to appreciate you know the fact that you came on. I want to appreciate the fact that Lou and Iggy in the back, and as we went a little long tonight like we did last week, like Coach Walsh from Biani said, this is at least two or three little fat man jogs that he can listen to on his podcast mm-hmm. while he jogs around the neighborhood, and this is what it's all about. Exactly. So thanks, Paulie and uh, Lou. and, and Thank Iggy. you, Chuck and Lou. I appreciate it, and we are out. Lou. Oh my god, Lou, do you have enough turkey and stuff over this break? No, the turkey wasn't good. What do you mean? Iggy, did it work or do we have to start over? What? Oh, I forgot to hit the button. Well, okay, we